Temper, temper. Live from an undisclosed location, this is the Gribble Nation Roadcast. And Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, welcome in to another episode of Just Passing Through here on the Gribble Nation Roadcast, which is fueled by Anchor FM. I am your host, the great and powerful Dan. Uh, when I started the last episode, which is my year in review special, um, I realized about halfway through that there was absolutely no way in hell that I was going to be able to talk about everything that I did in one hour-long episode. So therefore, you guys are in luck because now this is year in review part two, and we're going to talk about everything that happened in my corner of the world from the end of June where we left off last time up through uh, the end of December. So if there's anything that you think you missed and you want to go check out, I encourage you to listen to part one, which covers the first half of the year. We went through all the trips that I did um, in pretty significant detail. Uh, and we'll do the same thing uh, in this episode with uh, all the happenings that took place in july all the way through uh more or less the present day so without wasting any more time let's get right into it so as far back as mid-april uh i knew that there was going to be a good opportunity to do something pretty sizable in the early to mid-july uh time frame as far as a major road trip was concerned, the, the largest road trip I would have gone on um, since the COVID pandemic started. And that ended up being a nine-day trip on July 3rd through 11th. And I took my first trip out to the Pacific Northwest to cover the states of Washington, Oregon, Idaho, Utah, and Wyoming with a quick stop in Nevada as well. So this was a nine day trip as I said. It started on July the 3rd. Let's, uh, let's go through these daily recaps here real quick for this trip. July 3rd was day one. Um, began the day in New York City, ended the day in Vancouver, Washington. In New York, it was overcast temperatures in the 60s in the morning. Ended the day in Washington State with clear skies and temperatures in the mid-80s. Uh, the rental car for this trip was a 2020 Hyundai Venue, which was a brand new uh, make and model as far as a car that I've rented. I've rented a lot of cars in the last several years, but this was a new make and model for me. Um... Some flight info for you. I flew a direct flight from uh, Newark Liberty International Airport to Portland International um, via Alaska Airlines. Uh, takeoff was at 8 a.m. Eastern. I touched down in Portland at about 11.30 a.m. Pacific time. On time departure. I think the uh, we left all the air travel woes behind in... The part one episode of the year in review. The the flight 
stuff uh, went a lot smoother the second half of the year than it did the first half of the year, as you'll hear. Um, it was about a six-hour flight altogether. Uh, the easily the most memorable part of the flight was as we were starting our final approach into Portland. Um, I was sitting on the right side of the plane, so I had a pretty good view straight down to the Columbia River Gorge. Uh, so I was able to make out stuff like, you know, uh, the Dalles Dam, the Dalles Bridge, um, Hood River, uh, Bridge of the Gods, and also out in the distance, about 100 miles distant, was Mount Rainier, uh, the highest elevation point in the state of Washington. Um, just seeing that for the first time in person just blew my mind. Um, just an incredible sight on a clear day. Um, Mount Rainier had a lot of snow on its summit still in early July. Um, I think it stays, I think there's still some ice up there year round if I'm not mistaken. But uh, no, it was, it was gorgeous and it was a great way to, to welcome me to, to Portland in the Northwest uh, seeing that. So anyway, touchdown, picked up the rental car. As I usually do on these trips, I go straight to work. So, you know, most of the rest of this day was devoted to documenting Portland area freeways and bridges. Um, freeways I covered, at least in part or in full, were interstates such as 205, 405, 84, the western I-84, that is. I live, by the way... Uh, less than a mile from the eastern I-84 here in New York State. But this is my first uh, chance to check out the western I-84 on this trip. Also in Washington State, State Highways 14 and 500 near Vancouver. Um, other highlights, bridge-wise, um, bridges on the Columbia River such as the Interstate and Glen Jackson bridges and bridges on the Willamette River such as the Fremont Bridge and the St. John's Bridge. Uh, the St. John's, by the way, I got to document via the drone on this day. The drone was a very handy tool on this trip, as you'll, as you'll hear uh, in the days ahead. So that was it for day one. Um, mainly a Portland-centric day. Next day, July 4th. Happy birthday, America. Started off in Vancouver, Washington, ended the day in the Tacoma suburb of Federal Way, Washington, by way of Seattle. Started the day with clouds, fog, and mist in the 60s. By mid-afternoon, the clouds had cleared. Temperatures in the mid-90s in Seattle. This was one of these days that you wish you could have every day that you're on the road. If you're someone like me who documents hundreds of miles of road in a day. Because I was probably on the road for about 15 hours, sun up to sundown. And there were zero traffic issues to uh, get in my way. It was July 4th holiday, so traffic was light in general. Um... I didn't really come across anything in terms of incidents or traffic jams or anything like that. And that's good because I spent the entire day in Seattle and Tacoma. Um, Seattle freeways documented were the 5 freeway, the 405, 
Um, uh, the Alaskan Way Tunnel, Highway 99, I-90. Um, a bunch of other stuff, too. Like all the 500 series freeways in, um, in the Seattle area. Also, a really memorable trip on the Boeing Freeway, Route 526, which passes right by that huge uh, Boeing facility right in uh, Everett, a little bit north of Seattle. Um, this was a day spent doing urban stuff for the most part. So it's Seattle, Tacoma, um, and then points in between. And again, I, I didn't really have a lot of issues with traffic, so that, that was good. Um, I-5 in downtown Seattle, by the way, has a very interesting set of reversible express lanes. And if you time your travels just right, you can, um, you can drive them in both directions because the, the lanes start out the day pointed in one direction and then at some point in the day they switch directions so that they're pointed in the opposite direction. So I was able to time my travels just right so that in the morning I covered the express lanes going southbound and then by the afternoon the lanes were pointed northbound and so I drove them again in the opposite direction. So. Sometimes you just gotta look into these things a little bit before you you make your trip, and assuming there's no issues of any kind, it it, it usually works out pretty well. One other thing I did while I was in Seattle was I stopped at Cary Park, which is one of those iconic spots in Seattle as far as getting pictures of the skyline and. You know, it's it's a favorite spot for tourists to come and visit because it's got a great view of downtown, and when the sky is clear, you can see Mount Rainier right behind the skyline to the south. Um, so I made sure I got a few pictures of that while I was there. That was a great that was a great spot to go check out. Also, really enjoyed the 99 tunnel, the uh, the Alaskan Way tunnel. Um, the only thing I regret is that I never got out to Seattle to drive the old viaduct. Um, the viaduct is long gone now. Uh, but the tunnel is a very nice drive. Um, I know a lot of people will complain that it's that the tunnel has a toll on it and all that other stuff, but you know it it does its job, so you know, in that sense I think the project was a was a big success. Anyway, further down in Tacoma, covered I-705, the Route 16 freeway out to Gig Harbor, including the Tacoma Narrows Bridge. I did a lap around that on this day. And then by that time, it was about sunset, so I parked in the suburbs of Tacoma and called it a day. We're not quite done with the Tacoma Narrows Bridge. Next day, July 5th. Hey, it's my birthday. Hooray me. Started in Federal Way, Washington. Ended in Gresham, Oregon, via Seattle and Portland Metro. This was a Seattle punch list morning. Uh, utilized the drone to get pictures of the Tacoma Narrows Bridge. And also the West Seattle Bridge, which is a bridge connecting I-5 with uh, far southwestern Seattle. Uh, this bridge has been closed for a period of time due to structural issues. My understanding is that engineers are working on a fix to get this bridge open 
and they're hoping that they can get this open in the first half of next year. Um, kind of a moving target right now that they've pushed that deadline back at least once already, so we're not sure how realistic that is going to be, but fingers crossed that they can get that thing open again as soon as possible. Um, so it was worth documenting from that sense. It was very odd to see it, you know, empty with no traffic. Of course, if you listen to my part one episode, you know all about my uh, encounters with another uh, prominent closed bridge over the Mississippi River in Memphis that I also had to get drone pictures of. But anyway, did the West Seattle Bridge, went back down to Tacoma, got some drone pictures of the Tacoma Narrows Bridge, which was a bucket list bridge for me to visit uh, because of all the engineering history involved with that site. The infamous collapse of Galloping Gertie in 1940, the bridges that have replaced that infamous bridge in years since. Um, just a really special place for a, a bridge engineer like me to come visit, and I'm glad I was able to do it. On my way back south, Towards Portland, I had a few minutes to stop at the uh, Washington State Capitol Complex in Olympia, which is right off of I-5. Uh, if you're into checking out state capitals or clinching capitals and all that, you know, it's it's pretty neat. It's worth a stop. Um, so after that, continued south on I-5 towards Portland, made sure that I stopped in Longview, Washington, to check out the Lewis and Clark Bridge, which I think the locals still call the Longview Bridge. It's a huge steel truss bridge over the Columbia River. Um, it's the only bridge that crosses the entirety of the Columbia River between Astoria and Portland. So it, it's kind of out there in the middle of nowhere, but it's a, it's a very impressive bridge. Um, structurally and it's just a great bridge to look at. I, I like I like that bridge a lot. Um, so I was able to document that one. And then made my way back into Portland where I picked up where I left off on July 3rd with documenting Portland's urban freeways, uh, the 5, the 405, and 84. Also focused heavily in the afternoon on Portland's Willamette River bridges. And I have them listed out here. The Fremont, the Broadway, the Steel, Burnside, Morrison, Hawthorne, Marquam, Tillicum, Ross Island, and Selwood. Got pictures of all of those. That's a good way to that's a good way to spend a birthday. Just photographing bridges all day. I I don't know, that that sounds pretty good to me, don't you think? All right, July 6th, the fourth day of the trip. Started in Gresham, Oregon, ended in Boise, Idaho. Hey, this is a trip. Partly cloudy to mostly cloudy skies in the Portland area, giving way to overcast and foggy conditions in Astoria, Oregon, giving way to clear skies in eastern Oregon and southern Idaho, the high temperature of the day was achieved in uh, southern Idaho. Um, we hit about 100. So I did a quite goofy loop 
to start this day. I started in Portland, drove out to Astoria via uh, Sunset Highway, US 26, and then went to go check out the Astoria Megler Bridge on US 101, which crosses the mouth of the Columbia River. It's about well, it's about five miles long, uh, so it's one of the longer bridges in the West. It's a magnificent, majestic uh, steel truss bridge that uh, is one of my favorites. And if there's a more beautiful steel truss bridge in America, I haven't seen it yet. Um, it is a fantastic structure that is definitely worth a visit. And it looks amazing. You know, even on a day like this where it was foggy and overcast and less than ideal, um, that bridge is just beautiful even in conditions like that. Um, that was the entire purpose of my side trip out of Portland, was just to go and see that bridge and get pictures of it from the ground and the air. So after I did that, retraced my steps back to Portland, got on Interstate 84, and started driving eastward. And I really didn't stop until I reached Boise, Idaho. Along the way, there were a couple of things worth noting. Oregon DOT was doing some construction on 84 East near Multnomah Falls, which on this day caused an eight-mile traffic backup through Columbia River Gorge, which meant that I had to bail and follow the old highway, the old historic Columbia River Highway, for a few miles to get around some of that construction. Um, once back on the interstate, made pretty good time from there. Um... I did make sure to stop and check out other Columbia River bridges along the way, such as the Hood River Bridge, the Dalles Bridge, and the Sam Hill Memorial Bridge near Biggs Junction. And after doing that, continued on eastward. The other thing about um, this drive was that I was not expecting Eastern Oregon to be as scenic as it was. Um, the, the stretch that stands out the most to me is uh, Dead Man's Pass on 84 East, a few miles east of Pendleton. Um, that's a really interesting and tricky mountain pass where you climb, I don't know, about 2,500 feet in just a couple of miles. It's a very, it's a very short pass, but it's very steep and it's very windy. Um, you have advisory curves there of like 50 miles an hour or something like that. So it, it's it's quite an interesting experience to drive that. Um, not something that you might expect to find in eastern Oregon. But, you know, as I said, the, the drive through eastern Oregon I thought was very nice on the interstate. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Very scenic. Um, got to Boise in the late afternoon. Covered some Boise area freeways such as 84 and 184. Also drove past the Idaho State Capitol so I could get pictures of that. And also checked out the lively night scene in Boise, which I'm told is one of the best that there is. Give uh, From people I know who uh, called Boise home for a number of years. So I hit the hotel at... Uh, near Boise Airport and call of the day. Next day, July 7th, started in Boise, ended in Evanston, Wyoming. Clear skies, sunrise to sunset, 
high temperature in Salt Lake City was 106. That was the highest temperature recorded on the trip. Got on 84 East at sunrise and didn't stop until I was in northern Utah. Um, in fact, this was the day that I completed my clinch of the Western I-84. Um, as I eventually covered the whole thing uh, all the way to uh, east of Salt Lake City. This day was marked mainly by uh, documenting Salt Lake City's freeways, uh, the 15, the 215, 80, Legacy Parkway. Um, I hit the Salt Lake area after rush hour, so I had a few hours there where traffic was somewhat lighter than it usually is. Um, so I took full advantage of that and, and was able to get all the urban stuff out of the way during that lull uh, in the middle of the day. The other thing that I made sure to do on this day was take 80 west from Salt Lake all the way across northern Utah to West Wendover, Nevada and um, document all of 80 in the state of Utah, which I was able to do on this day. Um, 80 in this area goes across Great Salt Lake, it goes across the Bonneville Salt Flats, um, a very barren and desolate stretch of interstate, not gonna lie, it's, it's not the most interesting stretch of interstate you've ever seen. Um, the thing that struck me about this, and, it, and this, I've had this thought every once in a while when I've, when I've driven out west, is that you can be in the most desolate parts of this country and the interstates that you're driving on will not be quiet. Like There was a good amount of traffic on 80 in western Utah. Um, a lot of truck traffic, um, a lot of long-distance traffic of all kinds. This was one of the things that fascinated me, too, about when I was driving around, say, I-10 in southern New Mexico a couple of years ago. I was not expecting it to be as busy as it was, but... You know, even in these very barren parts of our country, you know, you find that the roads like this that you're traveling on, they're rarely ever quiet. Um, so sometimes the highway is the only sign of civilization. There's, there's, there may not be much going on around you scenery-wise, but there's a lot going on right in front of you in the right lane and in the left lane, too. So anyway... Covered 80 all the way to West Wendover, then covered 80 east all the way across Utah into southwestern Wyoming. Um, the section of 80 that I really like east of Salt Lake is the section between, say, the east end of Salt Lake and Park City, where you have um, the area that covers Parley Summit and Parley's Canyon. So you have a you have a steep mountain pass there that you go up, and then there's a there's like a canyon that you pass through, uh, right as you get into Salt Lake if you're approaching it from the east. Um, that's a really nice drive. Uh, really underrated, I would say. Then reached uh, Southwest Wyoming and called it a night there. I had to end the day in Wyoming. I figured that was a good place to call it a day. That allowed me to add a new state to the uh, to the catalog. Next day, the 
July 8th. Only three days left in this trip, three full days anyway, so it was about time to start heading back towards Oregon. So we started the day in Evanston, Wyoming, ended the day in La Grande, Oregon. Uh, clear skies, sun up to sundown, high temperature was about 105 in southern Idaho. Um, finished up some stuff in Salt Lake City Metro, such as footage of I-15, um, the Mountain View Corridor, which is a partially complete uh, freeway in West Salt Lake, and um, from there got on I-15, got on 84 West, and headed back to Oregon, more or less. While I was heading back west, I made sure to clinch I-86, the western I-86, um, across southeastern Idaho. Uh, also did some stuff in downtown Salt Lake in the morning. Um, drove past the Mormon Temple, drove past the Utah State Capitol, so I got pictures of all that stuff. Also, while on 84 West through Southern Idaho, stopped at the, uh, the Bridges of Twin Falls over the Snake River Canyon. There are two of them. I think there are already blog articles on these two bridges, um, on GribbleNation.org. I know there's at least a, a post on the Hanson Bridge. The other bridge, the Perrin Memorial Bridge, is a majestic steel arch bridge that crosses the Snake River Canyon. Um, reminds me a little bit of a smaller version of the New River Gorge Bridge in West Virginia. Um, this bridge does have a, a similar appearance to that one in West Virginia. So I had to make sure that I stopped and checked that one out. Continued west on 84 across Idaho. Uh... Got stuck in Boise's rush hour, which is all of about 10 minutes or so, but I managed to get stuck in it anyway. A crash westbound near uh, the suburb of Nampa. Uh, slowed traffic down significantly, but it wasn't, wasn't really the end of the world. Made it back into Oregon. Continued west across eastern Oregon. Stopped for the day in La Grande, Oregon, and... Um, had dinner at a restaurant called the Local Harvest, where they, they where they specialize in made-to-order pizzas and uh, local uh, local craft beers. So I made sure to indulge in a little bit of that. Um, great atmosphere, I have to say. I enjoyed it. Uh, it was a great time. Great way to unwind after a long day on the road. Next day. What page am I on? I'm on this page now. July the 9th. La Grande, Oregon to Kennewick, Washington. Again, clear skies all day. You're sensing a theme here. No rain. In fact, it really didn't rain at all this entire trip. Um, which is pretty... Well, I mean, this, it is the dry season, but it's very rare that you go on a nine-day trip and don't ever see a drop of rain. Um, anyway, clear skies all day, high temperature about 100. The thing about this trip, the, the day of this trip that uh, I should mention, is that I clinched I-82 on this day, also completed the uh, freeways and bridges around the Tri-Cities, which is Richland, Pasco, and Kennewick, Washington, also drove I-90, 
between Vantage and uh, the Seattle suburbs, so I was able to cover Snoqualmie Pass and the Vantage Bridge on the Columbia River. Um, also, in covering I-82, I covered the Umatilla Bridge, another Columbia River span. A uh, couple of other notable things from this day. Um, while traveling 84 west across Dead Man Pass, uh, encountered a uh, nasty accident scene in the eastbound direction that had happened only a short time earlier. Eventually, the interstate was closed in the eastbound direction. It turns out that that crash uh, involved a fatality. Um, also on I-90, in the westbound direction, as you leave Vantage, and you come to uh, what's known as Ryegrass Summit, you get a great view on a clear day of Mount Rainier, about 100 miles distant. And that was one of my favorite sights of the whole trip to tell you the truth that was that was really cool um when i was in northern arizona a couple years ago i got to see um something similar with um humphreys peak which is the highest point in the state of arizona it sits right above flagstaff um and from the north if you're on say us 160 or us 89 going south you can see Humphreys Peak from about a mile, a hundred miles away. Um, this was a similar effect, although I think it was even more majestic uh, to see Mount Rainier from this distance. Um, so just remarkable. Got to Kennewick after finishing documenting all the Tri City stuff. Stopped for the night there. Um, checked out another local beer establishment at, at the um, Copper Top. Tap House off of US 395 in Kennewick. Um, got to try a couple of local brews there. That is something I like to do after a long day traveling. I know that Doug has said that he likes, you know, he likes to, you know, go for a swim in a pool if it's available after, after he's been on the road for a long day. You know, I think everybody's got their own little thing that they like to do every once in a while and um i do like to try the local brews out if i if i get the chance so i'm glad that i was able to do that for a couple of days uh out here in eastern oregon and eastern washington july 10th started in kennewick washington ended in gresham oregon clear skies highs in the mid 90s got on interstate 82 east and then followed 84 west all the way back to Portland. I would say that the stretch from the stretch of 84 from I-82 all the way west to Portland was my favorite single drive of the whole trip. It's about 180 miles altogether. It is not boring at all if you like scenery. There is a lot of stuff to see in the Columbia River Gorge. Uh, it's just fantastic. One of my favorite drives on the interstate system anywhere, frankly. Um, on the way, I managed to stop and get pictures of Columbia River bridges, such as the Dalles Bridge and the Bridge of the Gods. 
Got back into Portland around midday, devoted the rest of the day to Portland area punch list items such as bridge documentation on the Columbia and Willamette Rivers, and also Portland freeway documentation, uh, mainly in the downtown area of Portland. And then called it a night. July 11th, the ninth and final day of the trip. Time to head home. Started in Gresham, Oregon, ended in New York City. Clear skies in Oregon, mostly cloudy with thunderstorms in the area in New York City. Did some more Portland Freeways punch list stuff in the morning, uh, mainly on the freeways downtown, and then headed to the airport. Departure time in Portland Air National was at 10.30 a.m., the flight arrived on time at Newark Liberty International at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. On time departure, calm flight. Perfect way to end a trip. So that was the Pacific Northwest trip of 2021. A heck of a lot of fun to do. I'm glad I did it. Man, a memorable experience all the way around. I hope this recap of this trip has been a memorable experience for you to listen to. I need a voice break after going through all of that. So when we do that, why don't I do that? And when we come back, we'll talk about some of the other stuff that happened the second half of 2021. Stick around. All right, we're back. Um, before we get into the other significant trip of the second half of the year, which occurred around Labor Day, let's talk quickly about a couple of significant weekend trips I took in the month of August. Um, I spent a weekend August 13th through 15th in Baltimore, Maryland, and I spent a weekend around August 27th through 29th in Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, the purpose of the Baltimore trip was to uh, redocument some of the freeways uh, from ground level and from the air and some and, and add some new material to the to the mix as well um, stuff that's going to come in handy for future uh, live content on the roadway Wiz YouTube channel no doubt um, these are freeways that I had documented years ago but in some cases I hadn't revisited them yet so it was good to kind of get there and spend a weekend updating some coverage adding some drone pictures to the portfolio and um, getting to catch up with some friends as well along the way the Boston trip on August 27th through the 29th, that was again a project intended to update coverage. Um, the Mass Pike exit numbers had been changed. The Mass Pike had gone to all electronic toll collection. Um, there were, and there were also some other changes in downtown Boston. So I decided I would just spend a weekend there. Um, taking care of redocumenting some of that stuff. So I was able to get that done successfully. Um, that was a fun weekend too. All of that was the precursor for the Labor Day trip. So I figured there was enough of an opportunity to do one more large scale trip in 2021. And that was a, let me see here. That was a five day trip September 3rd through September 7th. The central location of this trip was Kansas City, Missouri. 
So this trip kicked off on September 3rd. Day one began in New York City, ended in Kansas City. Flight information, a direct flight from New York LaGuardia to Kansas City International. On time departure and arrival. The, render, the rental car for this trip was a 2021 Nissan Altima, which was a pain in the ass. <laughs> I've, I've generally had good fortune with rental cars, but this, this car, for whatever reason, was a pain in the rear. Um, the air vents didn't want to work. So, like, the air conditioning system worked, but the air vents that, you know, blow the air through the cabin weren't really working right and I didn't really realize this until the second day or so when I kind of figured it was too late to exchange the car for something else um, so that was that was strange I never really did figure out what the hell was the problem um, I don't know this is one of those random things that I, I wasn't expecting to pop up but uh, fortunately it didn't adversely affect anything as far as the trip was concerned one thing that did adversely affect things was one of the video cameras that i use to document all the videos that you see on the channel well it decided to die uh, on the first day of the trip now this is a perfect uh example of why i carry multiple cameras with me i usually pack two or three uh, still frame camera uh, devices with me and I pack two to three uh, video cameras with me uh, just because in case for whatever reason one decides to die uh, I've got backup equipment that can step in and take its place and that's exactly what needed to happen in this case and it's a good thing I had extra cameras with me so that video camera died on day one, so it was replaced with the other camera, which, I mean, they're the exact same model, so it, it doesn't really matter. You wouldn't notice the difference, and frankly, neither would I. Um, so after I got that sorted out and got the air vent situation sorted out in the rental car, I'd say it went. this trip went pretty well. Uh, day one was devoted to Kansas City suburbs. Uh, documenting the 435 Beltway, 470 through Lee's Summit, uh, 635 in Kansas, then I-29 from Kansas City up to St. Joseph. Uh, St. Joseph, by the way, is home to I-229, which kind of has a cult following in the road enthusiast community. It is home to a very random yet beloved double-deck freeway section, which runs right along the Missouri River through downtown St. Joseph. Um, as I said, it's, it's, it's kind of beloved by the road enthusiast community. And I wonder if part of that is because it's been rumored that, uh, Missouri DOT is going to be demolishing this thing in a few years. So I don't know. I'm not sure if there's something to it. It's an interesting drive too, because it's a very low traveled freeway. I think it's the least trafficked interstate in the state of Missouri. Um, and yet it's got this interesting double-decker section that reminds you of like San Francisco or New York City or, or someplace really populated like that. Um, kind of random, but 
a lot of fun to drive. And uh, so I I got to check that out. Now, that was a lot of fun. That was the highlight of day one. Day two started the day and ended the day in Kansas City. So for this trip, I got a hotel room in the city of KC, not far from the airport. And all of my uh, excursions on this trip originated and ended from this same location. Um, a little atypical, but I felt like getting a single hotel room would be the best way to handle this particular trip. Um, so that's what I did. I got a hotel room for whatever it was. Uh, I don't know, four nights or whatever it was. Um, just set up a single home base in one place and um, was able to work out of there for the entire Labor Day weekend. So on the second day, um, rain for the first part of the day. Moderating to overcast and partly cloudy with temperatures in the 80s. The rain delay allowed me to do a couple of things. Um, document the Kansas City River Walk on the Missouri River near downtown. Um, and also indulge myself in a little bit of Waffle House. Um, yes, there are Waffle Houses in Kansas City. It is Waffle House country. So I made sure I had a cup of coffee and an all-star. Also, the rain delay allowed me to check out Atchison, Kansas, which is home to the Amelia Earhart Birthplace and Museum. Um, there's also a couple of really interesting bridges there on the Missouri River, right in Atchison. Um, so I was able to check those out. Um, also made my way back up to St. Joseph for some punch list work. Uh, while doing that and documenting the Stockyard Expressway, which is Missouri Route 759, uh, I drove past and got some pictures of the old St. Joseph Livestock Exchange Building, uh, a historic building built in 1899 that has been uh, boarded up for many years. Uh, I believe there's a private um, uh, historic society of some kind that's trying to restore the building for some sort of municipal use. It's a really interesting old building, and and uh, if you're if you're in the area and you like old buildings and old architecture and stuff like that, um, this might be one for you to stop by and check out. Um, so after that, headed back into KC, documented a lot of freeways in the KC uh, downtown area, uh, the interstates such as 29, 35. 49, um, 70, 670, U.S. routes such as U.S. 71, U.S. 169. 169, approaching downtown Kansas City from the north, has a really interesting view of the city itself. Um, and 169 also crosses the Missouri River on the Buck O'Neill Bridge. Um, a very interesting entrance to downtown Kansas City. We all hear about the entrances to the city from the interstates, but from the north on 169 is, is one of my favorites, too. After a very successful day on the road, I rewarded myself with a little um, after or late night uh, baseball. Uh, the Kansas City Royals had a homestand, and they were playing the Chicago White Sox, so I went out to uh, the east suburbs in Kauffman Stadium to check out 
uh, Kansas City Royals baseball. MVP of the American League finalist, Salvador Perez, hit two home runs, two out of his 48 that he hit this past season. But it wasn't enough as the road team White Sox prevailed 10-7. to Coffin Stadium is an interesting uh, ballpark. I thought it was pretty cool. I don't get to go to a lot of baseball games outside of New York, so anytime I get to go to a major league park, you know, somewhere else, um, it's always an interesting experience uh, for me. I always, I always get a kick out of going to other major league parks that I'm not familiar with. So I can check Kauffman Stadium off my list. Day 3, September 5th. Uh, clear skies, temperatures in the low to mid-90s. The highlights of this day involved a drive on the Kansas Turnpike from Kansas City out to Wichita. Um, documenting the freeways in the Wichita area, so Interstates 135, 235, and the K96 and US 400 freeways. I also documented I-35 from Kansas City to Emporia. Emporia is that town where the Kansas Turnpike meets I-35. I-35 leaves the Turnpike at this point, um, whereas the Turnpike continues more in a northeasterly direction towards uh, Topeka. So Emporia is a major traffic exchange point uh, in eastern Kansas. Um, Wichita is... it's there. I mean, it's, it's a decent-sized city. Um, not a whole lot happening there, but the freeways are kind of interesting, I will say. Um, US 400 is a fun drive, especially now that all that construction on the Kellogg Freeway is finished. That's finally done for the first time in a decade. There's no construction. Um, I know the locals are very happy about that. Um, I-135 is a nice, uh, urban drive. Um... A lot of construction on I-235 right now, so it's it's kind of a pain in the neck to try to drive that right now. But if you're looking to clinch a quick auxiliary route, um, you know, 235 is, it's all right. It's there. You know, it's, it's worth about 15 minutes of your time. So retraced my steps on uh, the Kansas Turnpike back to KC. Continued work on documenting uh, urban freeways in Kansas City such as I-70, 35, and 670, and the downtown alphabet loop. That was it for that day. September 6th, the last full day of the trip. Started out by heading back out to Topeka via the K-10 freeway, which is the uh, popular shunpiking route between Kansas City and Lawrence. Documented I-70 through central Topeka, um, and then spent the rest of the day in Kansas City and did a walking tour of the Alphabet Loop downtown. So I got a lot of pictures of the loop from the surface streets above because a lot of the, the Alphabet Loop is depressed below the street level. So there's a, there's a lot of overpasses where you can get a lot of good pictures um, and a lot of different vantage points of the loop from the surface street grid. Um, so I made sure to check out, um, check that area out. 
also made a stop at the National World War I Memorial and Museum, which is located uh, on the south side of downtown Kansas City. Doug is going to be really upset with me when he listens to this, because I did not stop at the Kansas City Scout statue. And in fact, when he did a podcast episode not long ago, and he mentioned getting us getting pictures of that statue, um, that was the moment when I realized, oh crap, I could have stopped at that statue too, and I just didn't, because for whatever reason I was a dope and didn't think to do it. So I don't have any pictures of the Kansas City Scout statue, but Doug does. So, sorry Doug, I didn't think to do it. My bad. Um, also worked on getting more pictures of the Missouri River bridges and other significant structures in Kansas City. Uh, the aforementioned Buck O'Neill Bridge, the Heart of America Bridge, the Christopher Bond Cable State Bridge, um, the Armor Swift Burlington Railroad Bridge, also viaducts on the west side of Kansas City, such as the Lewis and Clark uh, or Inner City Viaduct on I-70, and the 12th Street Viaduct. Um, the latter of these two reminds me a lot of the Western Hills Viaduct in Cincinnati, where it's this very lengthy concrete structure that crosses over a bunch of railroad yards. Um, this bridge in the 12th Street Viaduct in Kansas City has a similar feel to that. A lot of interesting bridges in Kansas City. Very underrated bridge city. Um, one other note for you about KC roads and stuff like that. If you visit KC and you're from New York, you may notice that some of the light poles in KC look very similar to an older generation type of light pole that used to be employed in New York City known as the Desky Light. Um, there are a lot of desky lights in downtown Kansas City still. So I'm just throwing that out there to all you people who like light poles. Um, there are some similarities. You might think that you magically were dropped into the middle of Queens or Brooklyn uh, when you look at some of the light fixtures in downtown KC. But nope, they just happened to use some of the same... Uh, designs out in KC for a period of time and some of those lights are still hanging around. So that was it for September 6th. Last day of the trip was the 7th. Really only time to do a little bit of punch list work near uh, KC airport in the morning and then I headed to the airport from there for the return trip. Departure was 11 a.m. central Arrival was on time, after an on-time departure, at LaGuardia, New York, at about 2.30 Eastern. Clear skies, sunrise to sunset, temperatures in the mid-80s by the time I arrived in New York. And that was it. That's the wrap for the Labor Day trip. The totals for this uh, September trip... I traveled 2,251 miles. I don't think I told you the number of miles I traveled on the July trip, did I? Let me do that real quick. That was a slight oversight on my part. Here we go. Okay, the July trip I talked about, 
logged 5,405 miles over nine days. Okay? That's a lot of miles, too. After the September trip, I, my primary focus was my uh, professional uh, duties down at my uh, bridge project in Westchester County near the village of Elmsford, which I alluded to a little bit last week. Um, we worked a lot of Saturdays. We worked just about every Saturday between mid-September and mid-November. There was a lot of weekend work, a lot of overtime, because we were fast-tracking this bridge project. We were trying to get it open in time for uh, the holidays. And we were successful in doing that. The bridge opened to traffic on December 6th. It's open now, so you can go and check it out. It's uh, at the intersection of Routes 9A and 100C in Elmsford, New York. That was my bridge. Um... So with the Saturdays being occupied, I really didn't have a lot of time to do a lot of stuff in the fall as far as roads were concerned. I did do a, a few day trips. I did um, I did a couple out to northeast Pennsylvania to get some autumn pictures of some of the northeastern Pennsylvania railroad bridges, uh, the Starucca Viaduct, the Tunkhannock Viaduct, um, a few of those kinds of bridges. Also started on a drone photo album for the New Jersey Meadowlands area and some of the bridges out that way. By the way, the Northeast Pennsylvania stuff was also a, a drone-motivated uh, series. And I spent my, season, my annual uh, off-season weekend in Wildwood, New Jersey at the Jersey Shore on uh, the weekend before Thanksgiving, November 20th and 21st. So that was good to do. that's about it for the travel um as we sit here it's about christmas weekend so i'm visiting family in uh northern delaware that's really the last significant road trip of the year um the next trip i go on will be in the year 2022 but we'll save that trip and everything else for uh next year's year in review um with that i think i'm gonna take a quick voice break here and then we'll come back and we'll wrap this up and i'll have a few closing thoughts on the year as a whole uh a few things that you can look forward to in the coming year and i saved my absolute favorite moment of the year for last and i'm going to tell you what that is after this break Oh, 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 
back again one final time on this year in review special here on the Gribble Nation Roadcast. So if you put together the five most significant trips that I profiled this year that I went on uh, from April through September of this year, uh, there were, let's see, one, two, three, there, I'm sorry, there were six significant trips that I went on. Um, if you put together the mileage from all those trips, you get a grand total of 15,335 miles logged. Um, all of that new mileage, um, all of that new to the channel, all of that new to me personally, that is an incredible amount of stuff uh, to do in one single year. I would say that I uh, definitely made up for a lackluster 2020 um, with the amount of stuff I was able to cover uh, in 2021. Um, as I said, I, I alluded to this last time too that you know I did most of this while working night shift too. So it was it was very hectic. I don't know how I managed to get through all that stuff without just falling asleep at the wheel sometimes. But um, it was a great pleasure to do all that stuff. I had a blast, and um, I'm already looking forward to my next trip. Can't wait. Always always looking ahead to the next thing. Speaking of which, that next thing is going to take place the second half of January. It'll be a two-week trip um, for superstitious reasons. I'm not going to tell you exactly where I'm going to go, but it is going to be new territory for me, so I'm very excited about that. There also could be a second trip um, somewhere in mid-February. Uh, I haven't worked that one out yet, but certainly the one in late January is going to happen. And um, that one should be fun, and if the February one is able to materialize, that'll be fun too. So, um, really looking forward to the opportunities that are going to be present these first couple months of 2022. I'm um, going to continue with my... Uh, live programming on the Roadway Wiz YouTube channel. I know that Doug and Tom and Adam are uh, looking forward to collaborating with me on more of these episodes. Um, we have stuff planned all the way through the month of March, so um, if you like that kind of thing, I definitely encourage you to, to check it out if you haven't already done so. Uh, we got a lot of new and interesting stuff up our sleeve that we can't wait to bring to you, so that'll be... I'm sure that'll be a lot of fun. It sure won't be boring, that's for sure. There is one more order of business I want to bring up <clears throat> before I sign off with uh, this year in review. And by the way, I can't believe that I managed to talk for more than two hours about what the heck I did this past year. I guess that, that goes to show just how busy this year was for me. But there was one favorite memory of mine in particular. Um that I want to close on. On July 17th, I had the honor and privilege of hosting my first ever road meet uh, in Wilmington, Delaware. Um, we had an amazing turnout that day. The highest turnout of any meet since before the COVID pandemic. Um, so many people came out from all over 
the eastern half of the country. People came from as far away as Massachusetts and Illinois, um, Ohio. I think somebody came from the Carolinas. I, I'm drawing a blank on who that was. But um, we had very good representation from all over the country. And people came from far and wide to attend this thing. Um, just to give you a quick synopsis of the actual meet, we had lunch at a restaurant on the Wilmington Riverfront. Did a driving tour, checked out some construction on Interstate 95 through Wilmington. Um, looked at a couple other bridges in the uh, suburbs of Wilmington. Um, it was a very, it was a very nice day. It was great to see everybody again. Really great to uh, host something like this, and then. The tour got finished in the late afternoon, and then there was a post-meet uh, baseball game where uh, the hometown Wilmington Blue Rocks hosted my hometown minor league baseball team, the uh, Hudson Valley Renegades. So that was a fun, uh, that was a fun nightcap event. Um, that day was easily my favorite day of the whole year. Um, it's very. It, it, it was a it was a privilege to be able to host that meet in the first place, but it was really, um, really rewarding, really touching to see how much people really enjoyed that whole that whole day, um, and uh, it, it meant a lot to me to see how people embraced it. I mean, I had never hosted a meet before, so I I really wasn't sure what to expect as far as turnout was concerned. Um, I could tell that people really enjoyed it, and uh, with that, I'm, you know, I'm really looking forward to my next meet, which is going to be next August in Philadelphia. Go check out the AA Roads Forum for more information on that event. That event's going to be a, a heck of a that's going to be a heck of a weekend. Um, but um, yeah, just just really, I'm just really grateful that uh, the community embraced this event in Wilmington and that we pulled it off. And um, like I said, that was my favorite event, my favorite day of the year, no doubt. Um, and uh, I'm, I don't know. That's about it. That's about all I got to say about that. Um, thanks for listening to this year in review. Let me know what you thought your best moment of the year was in your travels. Drop us a line. We'd like to hear from you. From all of us here at Gribble Nation, thanks for listening. Happy travels. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you for tuning in to uh, an episode of the Gribble Nation roadcast uh we hope uh you get to listen to us again soon have a good one